This podcast is brought to you by the Empower Her program, a 12-week gut and hormone restoration program. If you are suffering from chronic digestive and menstrual cycle issues, this may be the program for you. Go to www.sophieandkyleen.com forward slash empower her to join the waitlist. Welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, ladies. This is Sophie Shepard, the host of the She Talks Health podcast. I am so, so excited today. I have a good friend and colleague here, Allison Jordan. She's also an FDNP like me, and she's also a CST-T. And what Allison does is she's actually a woman that helps on the, the gut health side of things. So this is like my yin to my yang. And she's the author of Stop Stomach Pain, How to Heal Your Gut and End Food Restrictions. She's the creator of the Better Belly Podcast. Definitely go check that out. And the owner of Better Belly Therapies. And today we are going to be talking about a subject that we both see all the time in functional nutrition, functional medicine, which is food sensitivities and how we work around them. What do we do? Allison, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Sophie, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm just super pumped to be talking with, you know, like I said, my yin to my yang, (laughs) a fellow FDNP. And I'd actually love to talk about these other letters in your title. So you have CST-T. What does that stand for? What does it mean to you? And why is it in your title? So CSTT stands for craniosacral therapy techniques and then certified is kind of at the end. It basically means I'm a really good craniosacral therapist. Have you heard of craniosacral therapy before? I have. And it's always one of those things, you know, like when you go to the massage, massage parlor or whatever, I don't know what they're called massage parlor. That (laughs) sounds weird. Um, but you go to get a massage and it's like, Oh, like Thai massage, Swedish, you know, deep tissue. And then cranial sacral. And I'm like, I should really do that one, but I always go for the deep tissue. So I haven't actually done it, but I've heard amazing things. So yes. And that is 
I agree. It's amazing. It is where I started in my health journey. And I know that before we started this call, we were talking a little bit about your gel health journey and your entry point. But my entry point for my gut health was I was diagnosed with IBS. I had really, really bad health problems for several years, which we can get into more of the, just the, the horribleness. But I mean, I was losing hair. I was losing weight. I had no period. I was just the hot mess that if, if your listeners have been listening to these, your podcast for a while, I'm sure it might be like, Oh, that sounds really familiar. Yeah. But and I, I've <laughs> definitely gone through those, those phases with my health too, but it's interesting that like, except for the hair loss, we almost had opposite, like the weight, you know, like I, I had gone through a place where I was losing nutrients and losing weight after, but I had gained a uh-huh. lot of weight. And so, yeah. and it's so, it's so it's interesting to hear like, how does, you know, disease state begin because as FDNPs, you guys, we always think about, it's not just one thing. There's not just one root cause. There's this whole metabolic chaos that's going on in the body. And, and when, when we seek help, it's usually because like Allison's story, her hair is falling out, right? We have to do something about this. Okay. So you're, you're feeling terrible. And, yes. and, and what happened next? And I, I mean, okay. Be prior to this, because, because your question was what's with the, what's with the CSTT there. Right. What's and, the CSTT? But that, but that was honestly two or three years into me being sick, like sick as a dog, had to change my job, wasn't sleeping through the night, really poor sleep, couldn't stay asleep, couldn't fall asleep, um, all this stuff. And my doctors are like, your labs look normal. I was like, well, that's really stupid because I don't feel normal. But they just, they were like, okay, fine. We're going to send you to a pelvic floor therapist because I had really bad constipation. Mm. really bad. Um, and I, you know, did the whole drink water, drink fiber, take magnesium, wasn't super helpful. And I was sent to a pelvic floor therapist who happened, happened to do craniosacral therapy and something else called visceral manipulation. So their hands on manual, what we call manual therapies. There's something done with your hands opposed to like a talk therapy or a, uh, you know, a, a supplement therapy. So it's a manual therapy done with your hands and it affects something called your craniosacral system which is the craniosacral therapy and then visceral manipulation, which is your organs, your viscera. So the fascia and the ligaments around your organs. And she, not all pelvic floor therapists do this. So I will say you can't just be like, I'm going to go to my pelvic floor therapist and get this done. But she happened to be trained in it and it literally changed my life. I went, I remember after our first session that she did it, I went home, I slept, which was really hard for me to do. And then I woke up and I went to the bathroom. Number two, poop. So yeah, um, talking about poop on the She Talks Health podcast. So much poop. I mean, I remember just being like my one wish if I'd gone to a health practitioner, like if they said, like, what's one thing you want to walk away with? You know, when I work with you, you know, I would have said like pooping regularly because that was not a thing. Absolutely. Um, Me too. Me too. And mine was (laughs) mine was the was the um IBS you know, diarrhea and constipation. So it was like, I never knew you know, what was going to come. So I totally hear you. That's amazing. So you, so you really wanted to poop. You did this, this therapy and it worked. And it sounds like what happened was it completely relaxed you into a parasympathetic rest and digest place. Something, something That's- happened where you were able to go to the bathroom and sleep, which is rest and digest. <laughs> Right, right. And so a huge thing in my practice that we we talk about is the word peristalsis, because you can be in a rest and digest state. Uh, Your nervous system can be downregulated, but you can also still have really poor peristalsis because um, 
it's, it can, it can, it's a system that it, it's a combination of your enteric nervous system, your vagus nerve, your, your sensory walls of your, uh, of your, of your gut. Cause like your esophagus, your stomach, they all have nerves around them and they sense things. So your serotonin levels, all these stuff, it needs to be balanced for you to have not too strong, which can result in diarrhea, um, or like food moving through your gut too fast or constipations or spasms. All those things are bad. And so craniosacral therapy, yep, helps totally regulate the nervous system, helps make sure that your vagus nerve as it's coming out of your brain, it's your cranial nerve 10, as it's coming out, um, it comes through a hole between your temporal bone and your occiput. And if that hole gets jammed, that can be a problem. So I've worked with people with constipation who don't have any chemical problems, like they, supplements might support what's going on with them, but they don't have pathogens. They don't have um, crazy hormone imbalance balance other than the fact that maybe they're not pooping. So then they're getting, you know, estrogen recirculated, but if we, they've gotten into a car accident and they, and they hit their left side of their head or, or their right side, or they've get, maybe got tackled in football or in a sport like soccer. And then those cranial bones impinge and the vagus nerve can get impinged in something called your jugular foramen. So the reason I, um, you had asked me, you know, before we started this call. This is amazing. (laughs) I mean, I'm just like, I have so many more questions. Okay. Keep going. Yes. Yes. So I really, really combine anatomy and physiology with with what I call like the biochemical level of the body. Like, is there a pathogen? Are there food sensitivities? Is there leaky gut? Is there SIBO? Um, And why? Because, you know, the why can be, I traveled out of country and I got something and I never dealt with it and it's been eating me alive for 10 years and now my whole immune system shot, which was a part of my story as well. It could also, (laughs) right? It could be stress. Like I've been super stressed and my immune system shot because of that because I've been on I've been in fight and flight for 10 years. And so my body can't kick out any more cortisol, you know, also there's, same. All, <laughs> right, there's all these biological or kind of, there's all that stress, but then we forget that there's physical things that happen to us, concussions, being born, um, with forceps. I work with people who were, when they were born, like, they're like, oh, I've had GI problems my whole life. And I will sometimes say, uh, you know, did you have colic as a baby? Do you know how you were born? Were you, was it a natural birth or was it, you know, C-section? We know there can be a microbiome imbalance, but some children were born using forceps where they literally take these, basically, I want you to imagine uh, what, like taking pliers, pliers is really strong, but I mean, it's actually kind of that they grip the baby's head and they pull you out by oh the my head. Gosh. And so you're putting a ton of pressure on these um, bones and the head. And we know that baby's heads are, the bones are not fully formed, partly so that they can get through the, the passage, the uh, vaginal passage of the mother. And so, but when you use this extra, very, very strong force, you can really damage babies. And so they can have sucking problems. They can uh, attack or the, the latching problems, sucking problems, um, colic problems, nerve problems, like vagus nerve, all this disrupted because of how they were birthed, um, things like that. So I'm really working on it in anatomical level as well as biochemical. So that's why I call myself functional medicine, not just the functional diagnostic nutrition, because we're really thinking about a couple other layers when people come see me. This is so great because as FDNs, one of the things that Reed Davis, our um, 
you know, our, our mentor and our teacher there says to us, which I just love is that, you know, when you think about stress, there are these different buckets, right? There's perceived mental, emotional stress, you know, when we don't know how to deal with the, the onslaught of things that are coming in from the news or from our boss or from our families, right? Like that, that's perceived mental, emotional stress. Then there's these hidden stressors, like what you said um, on the inside that we both work on, which is, you know, parasites, you know, heavy metals. I don't know how, how deep on the FDMP part of that, but you know, all these different things, but then there is, there's this physical things. And even as we record this, I just run, went hiking in uh, Sedona this weekend and, you know, we really pushed it. And my, I can tell my neck is out of alignment. It's in pain. And I am going to prioritize going to a chiropractor who I actually met through Instagram as well, um, who's here, because I know that that is a physical stressor. And like you mentioned, it could be impinging on the vagus nerve. And we know that the vagus nerve connects down from basically through our spine down into our gut and, you know, gut health is really important to me. So it's, I just love that you're doing this fusion and it's so incredible. And I, um, yeah, if I ever get to a place where I run a lab and I don't see any pathogens, you know, who, who's going to be sending you more clients. Cause that's, that's huge. I, I do have a question actually, just kind of out of curiosity, like how is this different or can it be used in conjunction with, for example, like a chiropractic or other physical manipulation therapies? That's a really good question. So I have a really good friend first off, who's, who's local to me, who's a chiropractor, like not all chiropractors are the same, I will say. Um, so anytime you do work with someone who does manual therapy, whether it's a chiropractor or a PT, you just want to make sure like you've kind of vetted them, you understand how they work and why they work. Um, but they can be working in conjunction, but I was like hearing you say the neck thing. And I was thinking, this is fascinating. So when people come to me, um, sometimes they come to me for like gut health problems. And sometimes they come to me because of my craniosacral and visceral background. And they will often say, I've been to PTs. I've done chiropractic care. I still have this chronic low back pain, chronic neck pain, chronic, um, shoulder pain. And there here's where, um, my skill set of visceral manipulation also comes in, which is that all of your viscera, all of your organs, your lungs, your heart, your liver, your, your stomach, your small intestines, they all have these, what I call seatbelt attachments to part other parts in your body. So they attach to the bone, they attach to, you know, your spine, they attach to the other organs. And so like, if you get in a car accident or you're moving around that seatbelt, it kind of shifts, you know, it gives you space to move. And if you move too fast, it tugs and it, and it tightens and it holds that organ in place. But, um, what happens is sometimes people get injuries throughout life. Sometimes it's posture, like repeated postural problems. Sometimes it's like a full on, you fall on your tailbone, you, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, collide into something, you give birth, some, some intense force happens and you can actually injure your ligaments. And so you can use it in conjunction because, um, for example, I've had people with neck problems that when I work with their esophagus, their neck problems go away. So what wow. will happen? They'll come in. That's yeah, amazing. they'll come in. That's incredible. That's really yeah, incredible. They'll come, they'll come in and they'll say, I have acid reflux. And then also I'll notice that their neck is really tight. And so I have a background in massage therapy. Um, and I'll, you know, be like, Hey, and you know, do you get massages? And they'll be like, yeah, my neck tension always comes back. And I'm thinking, okay, do you see a chiropractor? They're like, yeah, my neck tension always comes back. If, <laughs> if you're listening and that's you, what I would suggest is 
seeing someone who does visceral manipulation, you might have a ligament somewhere that is causing tightness in your neck. That can be a lung that could be your pleura or around your lung. Your heart has ligaments that go back to your thoracic spine. Um, your, and, and so I have some people who have, um, something called POTS. Uh, have you heard of POTS before? Um, I have, yeah. I don't, I don't say the whole, whole phrase a lot, but so POTS or tachycardia, um, I'll work with them and I'll, okay, you have tachycardia. We check out the ligaments around the heart. Do they feel tight? Um, and that's a palpation, something you can feel for. And when you release those ligaments, so suddenly their tachycardia, their chronic tachycardia goes away. And we're not working with supplements. We're not working with, you know, nutrients or um, anything else in the body. So neck pain, I've worked with um, chronic migraines, you know, working with that, with making sure that your craniosacral therapy, all those are sometimes you can get like your chiropractic adjustment in your, in your cervical spine, um, or even at your Atlas, as some people are really big into Atlas adjustments. I, I, I've been traveling a lot. And we were, when we were in Jacksonville, I saw an Atlas practitioner. I didn't realize she was Atlas. And okay. I, was and that your was, first time? It was my first time. And it's so funny uh-huh. because the, like, I've only been to a traditional, well, I guess I would call a traditional chiropractor with like the crack and pop. Yeah. And, um, I find that really satisfying. Um, and Atlas was like not satisfying, but at the same time <laughs> it worked. Like I, I had, I had, um, I had, you know, taken on the weight of the world and, you know, everything was my responsibility and, you know, all these things that you tell yourself is like not true. And, uh, of course, you know, where does that land? Well, your neck, you know, so my neck was out and I couldn't work and I had to completely stop. And so I, I had to find somebody local and um yeah she did atlas and she put me back together yeah so the atlas adjustments are awesome but also remember that your atlas is surrounding something called your meninges and your meninges it's a soft tissue structure that's like a skin around your brain it nourishes the brain it protects the brain it it actually provides your blood brain barrier which is really important to you and me as far as making sure people don't have systemic inflammation you know your the blood brain barrier is really important when you're thinking about is there a, a gut blood bra- barrier so is the mucosal barrier broken down and is are you getting blood into the brain that's making you feel foggy headed all this stuff but also that that meninges uh, can get restricted. You can have an adhesions around it. And so that can happen from um, I, falling on your tailbone or if you've ever had a uh, puncture to the spinal cord, sometimes um, epidurals or spinal taps. If you've ever had whiplash, that can create adhesions around the meninges, concussions, even undiagnosed concussions, like, oh, I hit my head once, um, that's going to create um, adhesions in the meninges in the cranial vault. And so you can actually get then get compressions around that. And so it's going to decrease blood flow, decrease cerebral spinal flow in the head, and you're going to get foggy headedness, mood instability, learning disabilities, um, learning uh, difficulty remembering things, difficulty focusing, ADHD, OCD. Um, The guy who developed it, Dr. John Upledger, who developed craniosacral therapy, his original research, he was at the Michigan State University and he did about 20 years of research and he started with children and he worked with children who had autism, ADHD, learning disabilities, anger outbursts, um, dyslexia, uh, speech difficulty, um, latching problems. He started everything, all of his research with children and they would, in a matter of sessions, go from you know a first grade reading level to a sixth grade reading level or needing 
a, a anger counselor to being a normal child um, where, you know, they're not feeling angry all the time. And that's because he's relieving compression around the, around the brain. And so um, craniosacral therapy works really, really well in conjunction with chiropractic. I sometimes have people come in and I'm like, you know what, you're not going to get the biggest bang for your buck until you get chiropractic care. It's, I would say comparing the two is chiropractic care is more macro. So it's big. And then um, craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation is more micro. It's, it's underneath the bones. And I come from a mentality, if we're really thinking about the structure of your body, because I know we want to talk about food sensitivities, but if we're thinking yeah, about this, is going to be like a, uh, it's okay though. Cause I think what this is, what this is showing is how well <laughs> everything is connected and that's really yes. important. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so um, if you have structural problems, sometimes in the bone, if your chiropractor is like your T, your T12 is always out. You actually might have a liver problem or a diaphragm problem because both your liver and your diaphragm hook in and have ligaments that attach to T12. So if that's always rotated, you might have a rotated liver, which for us, we care about the liver. Is your liver functioning? I literally have a technique in visceral manipulation called a liver lift. And we have a joke. One of my instructors jokes that a liver lift a day keeps the doctor away that you, when you, when you increase literally the tissue flexibility of the liver, that it increases its ability to have uh, circulation. So bile circulation, blood flow circulation. So it can do all of its jobs, phase one detox, phase two detox. uh, And then of course, bile production down into the small intestines, which is where we're going to need our break down all of our nutrients. So we're not nutrient deficient. So sometimes I work with clients and I'm like, okay, all your lab tests are saying you're nutrient deficient, but you also have this crazy car accident history and your right triangular ligament of your liver is like super restricted. So we're going to give you some supplements like a push catch. We might have you do a coffee enema to help support your body on a biochemical level. But we also want to see if, if structural work that we can do can increase the, the health of your liver tissue and make sure that your hepatic portal vein system is really flowing from your sigmoid colon to your liver. Make sure that your liver has really good flexibility. Make sure your common bile duct is not restricted. Mm-hmm. If you've had gallbladder surgery, you, your that gallbladder surgery totally created um, any exposure to air in your abdomen is going to create adhesions around your organs. And so um, because that air, your, your organs were never supposed to be exposed to air. They get sticky and then they, they kind of stick to each other and they wow. don't, they're not as flexible anymore. So you could have life-saving surgery, appendectomies, gallbladder removal. I've worked with clients who've had Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, and they've had their large intestine or small intestine removed. And we work with the scar tissue. I've worked with women who've had, um, C-sections and uh, SIBO. SIBO. Here's an interesting thing. I'm gonna, let, let's 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 try and re-enter back into food sensitivities. Yeah, all, it's, it's all connected. It's all it's connect- incredibly I mean, connected. What I'm what I'm hearing though, and and like this also connects into hormones. Is like, which obviously is my favorite thing to talk about. Is like we need <laughs> blood flow and we need. Yes movement. And, um, I have a client right now who has really painful cycles and, you know, we've done the, we've done the, um, you know, biochemical work. We, we've looked, we did, of course, she had a parasite, she had H pylori, she had, yeah, she has stuff to work on there, but she also, you know, has, has gone through a lot of trauma. And I think that that trauma has slowed everything down in the pelvic region. Right. So she also is working with, um, a partner, a colleague of mine on, on that and moving that and like vaginal steaming and moving 
moving the flow and the chi, right? Because if we're not moving, if our internal organs aren't moving, that's a stressor. And then that, if we don't have good blood, blood flow, then, you know, we're screwed in a lot of ways because the, the organs can't do their jobs. And then yes. what, how, but how it manifests is in this like old long downstream symptom that you, if, unless you know, this it would be very hard to understand that it could be an internal physical manipulation, like activity that you could go and get done to actually heal. So I yes. think this is, it's crucially important because I, I would imagine that if you're you know, the way that we look at the septiens is like, if you are not, if the flow isn't working, if you're, if you're, if there's a, an impingement in an, an organ or you're missing an organ, like a gallbladder, now everything is stressing out the rest of your digestive system. That's what she was just talking about with all those fancy words of the, you know, if you just go and you Google, like pause the episode, Google digestive organs and then listen to what she just said again. She's talking about how they're all connected. And if one of them is missing or impaired or not getting blood flow, now there's a whole lot of pressure on another organ. And that's when you start seeing things show up as a symptom. And the 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 way that a lot of people look at that is either they're going to band-aid it, right? Or they're going to like the, like the medication. Or if you're working at the functional doctor, they, they might go to the source like, oh, you have a missing gallbladder. Okay. We'll take some bile. Okay. But what about the step before that? Right. So she's saying if there's a physical, right. If there's a physical issue that has to be worked on too. I love this. So important. Yes. So I've had some people just never have to take supplements, never have to go through anything. If they get the physical part addressed, I have a client of mine. She came in, she had really, really painful, um, period. She wasn't even there for <laughs> her painful menstrual cycle. She was there for TMJ jaw pain. And I was, I do a very thorough intake and I was like, Oh, how are your menstrual cycles? And like, Oh, super painful, really bad. So I, I listened down, we call it listening where we follow the tissue and say, you know, see, feel where it's restricted. And she had a restriction between her, at her, um, cecum. So, which is the beginning of her large intestine. It's on your right side of your hip. Like if you feel down into your hip, there's a front bone and that pokey bone, your cecum or your, which is the beginning of your large intestine. It's like right on the inside of that, that right side of that, or it's on the left side of your right bone, if that makes sense. And she had a restriction between there and kind of the close to her pubic bone. And what it was is it's a restriction in a ligament that there's a ligament between your app, your appendix and your right ovary. Did you know that? I did not know this, but it's I'm about, called to, your I'm about append- to ship my client to you to get. I know. <laughs> I hope you do. Um, we can actually talk at the end of the episode, how she can find someone local to her too. Was, but yeah, you know. maybe they're actually, yeah, we should talk about that because I'm but, sure and depending on where she is, but I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan, be happy to see anyone. Ann Arbor, um, Michigan guys. Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor. Michigan. It's near Detroit. If you're like, I don't know where that is. It's near Detroit. Um, so we're on the East Southeast side of Michigan. But, um, when we'll talk about how you can find someone local to you who does cranial sacral therapy and visceral manipulation, but it's this ligament's called your appendiculo ovarian ligament, very relatively easy term. You can Google it. There's actually, it's not talked about a lot, but about 75% of women have this, this ligament. And if you've had your appendix taken out, sometimes your your PMS will, women will report their PMS is better because that ligament might've been already tight. And some people will report that when they get an appendectomy, that they suddenly start having 
having menstrual cycle problems that they never had before. So um, it, it kind of depends on the surgery and what's going on and, and how the tissues heal. But then what happens if you do start having problems after either whether or not you've had your appendix taken out, if you, getting that area checked is so helpful. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's up there with, you know, visceral manipulation helps women with endometriosis. I was Both just going to ask before, you about yes. meiosis and endo. Uh, I mean, yes. I know that because, you know, I had, um, Dr. Jessica Drummond on the show and I also work with a lot of endo, um, clients, but you know, one of the things we talked about on that show that I think is so important is building out your healthcare team. And that would include, you know, an FDN, um, to help with, especially with endo, we were looking at like SIBO and gut health issues, of course, and maybe a hormonal imbalance, although that's been shown to not necessarily be true. It's not really a hormonal issue. It's exacerbated by hormones, but the bigger issue can be this need, need for pelvic well, normally what I would say is like a pelvic floor or a physical manipulation therapy. So this sounds yeah. like it would fit into that camp too, which is really exciting. There's even more modalities that people can look yes. into. It's, it's amazing. I've worked with women who've had been incontinent for many years. And when you release tissues around the, on the pelvic floor, it actually, imagine if your muscles were trying to close, but then they're on either side of them on, on the outside of the muscle, like they can't close because there's a force, right? So if there's restrictions, you can't close it all the way. And that can sometimes be why someone's incontinent, especially after having children for women. And so if you release restrictions, suddenly you're not incontinent anymore. I've had that happen. I have, a painful, I have another client to ship to you. <laughs> yeah. A painful <laughs> sexual intercourse is another thing that you can work with. And you don't even have to do intervaginal work because I'm not working with anybody uh, internally at all. Um, and this is all external, just working in the pelvic bowl on, on anteriorly. So on the top of the, of the belly and it's, it's incredible. Incredible. This is absolutely incredible. <laughs> I'm just, I, I know we weren't planning on going all the way deep into this, but I think it's so important. And I almost feel like this is a prerequisite for everyone to listen to because, yeah, gosh, we don't, we don't, do you know the thing that I think about when I'm hearing all this is how long, I went through with my IBS and I, my chronic low back pain. I mean, they were synonymous. I always had both at the same time. And when my gut health, went, my gut health issues went away, my back pain went away. And I mean, yeah. I, I'm talking, I was in PT. I was getting steroid shots. I mean, my back was I had herniated discs and la la la, and I still have to be careful, right? Like my neck is out. I've been told I have hyper hope, hyper mobile joints, which is yeah. not what you want. I think you want like you want flexible, <laughs> you want flexible muscles, which mine are tight, and then you want you know like your bones to basically stay in place. So I have the opposite, um, which I'm sure you're those are. That's connected. Yeah. yeah. Your I'm, muscles will get tight if they're like, well, the ligaments aren't doing their job. So your ligaments are overly flexible and then you feel tight. And so you crave deep tissue massage, but then you can actually make yourself worse because you are now, you've now loosened the system that was holding you. So there's things you can do for that. Um, things you can do for that situation. And I work with people who have, I don't know if you've ever heard of EDS, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Oh yes. Guys go back and listen to the American what is it? The American diet is destroying your gut or the American life is destroying your gut. I think it's 
about seven episodes ago, I talked to um, a dear friend of mine who almost died because of EDS. So, Right. So I work with people with EDS and a lot of times their ligaments around their viscera are too tight. And then their, then their muscles are having to fight that it's, mm. it's, it's very complicated. Um, but we, I were actually work with their viscera and then their bones start staying in place better. So great. I'm coming to Ann Arbor, um, but you know, <laughs> she's, sorry. but this is, this is so great because I mean, now I'm just completely, we're completely going on a tangent, but it's still related <laughs> to like gut health because when, like when my gut was the most inflamed, my back was the most inflamed. Yes. And when I have flares in my, you know, gut health, if I'm not taking care of myself or, you know, I, I do eat something <laughs> transition to food sensitivity. If I, I do get exposed to a food sensitivity that, um, like a, like a gluten, for example, that can flare my gut issues and that can cause my back to hurt. Um, and I would imagine although this is as talked about that, you know, for example, the fact that my, my low back is out from hiking this weekend is part of the reason why my gut hasn't been feeling so great the last couple of days, you know, yes, they can be, they can be interconnected. And so, um, I will have, I've actually, developed a couple exercises that I'm trying to start to teach clients of mine because I'm I'm basically in an experimental phase of if they are starting to have you know back problems that feed into their gut what can they do to decompress because craniosacral therapy that's why it's so helpful with the gut because you have your your whole spinal cord is your fight and flight highway for your gut and if it gets compressed or if there's nerves that are being irritated it'll tell your gut stop digesting slow down don't do peristalsis and so you want a really good healthy um, dural tube around your spinal cord all the way down to your sacrum and so i've worked with a couple exercises working with people to help them open up their sacrum if they've already been doing craniosacral therapy it kind of opens up a little bit better and then also making sure that the that all the way up to their cranial vault, up to their head, that that's mobile, and that will help the gut. But the other, there's actually a tissue. Can I tell you? There's a tissue that is directly responsible for that low back pain um, when you're having GI problems. Have you? Are you familiar? Oh my with gosh, it? what is it? I know. I so I I'm gonna hold you in suspense a little bit. I um, also had chronic low back pain problems. I felt like an old grandma, and I was an ex gymnast. I'm an ex gymnast. I'm like flexible strong, uh, like good balance, all this stuff. And I got sick and all my flexibility went away. I felt like a stiff old grandma. And I was like, what is going on? Um, and there is a tissue it's called your, so your small intestines don't just float around in nothingness. They're actually anchored in somewhere. They're anchored into your lumbar spine via something called your mesenteric root. Um, it just, it goes across your lumbar spine in a diagonal direction from, if you feel your left rib cage about at your left rib cage down to your right pelvis, your right, that front oh, yeah. bone. So the, on the front, on the front side of you, the, the left rib cage is going to be, cause it's on, it's the mesenteric roots, you know, anyways. So it's from there and down to the front right bone of your pelvis, if you feel that bone again. And so it's going diagonally like that. And it, and it's the anchor of your small intestines. And if your small intestines are unhappy, 
from because of something you ate, gave it to eat, then there's inflammation and you're not, and there's bloating, you're not moving your, you're not circulating your liquids well because the blood system's like freaking out, your immune system's freaking out, your lymph system's not working very well. Um, then you're going to get a lot of bloating, tugging on the mesenteric root, and you're going to have a ton of back pain. So when I screen people, I used to have people come to me again for massages and they say, I've got this chronic low back pain. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, can I work on your belly? And their low back pain would disappear. And then they'd come back and say, well, my bloating also went away. What did you do? <laughs> That's amazing. You sound like a wonderful practitioner to see in person. And now I'm, I'm wishing that you were like in our car and able to walk, Aww. you know, come with us around our travels yeah. around the country. This is so incredible. So, wow. Okay. And 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 I I want to say something that has been on my mind. Can I can yes, I right now connect to the small intestines? Because we've brought up the word SIBO a few times already in this episode. And SIBO, I don't know if you I'm curious what research you read, but I've read that there's about a 50% recurrence in SIBO. Have yeah. you yeah, that, so SIBO guys is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. You may have heard us talk about it with um the, the EDS um person Kim K or on the other gut health episode with, um, with my partner, Kyleen Churchune. Um, but it is something I've had. I don't know if you've had it, but yes, the research shows that SIBO is recurring at 50%. And there, I have a lot of opinions about that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I know. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I think your opinions would be very interesting, but m- one of my opinions on it and what I see is a lot of, I get clients who have had C- excuse me, SIBO in the past, or they currently have it, and they're working with it, but they're having a really hard time getting it to stay away or just get away, <laughs> like just leave. And they have really weak peristalsis. They have very poor peristalsis. So I want you to imagine if you have your peristalsis is moving all your food through your from your esophagus down to your large intestine. So um, it's it, it's working every after you swallow food. Peristalsis is the only thing that's getting things from point A to point Z. And you want it to move not too fast and not too slow so you can absorb the nutrients. But also if it moves too slow, it rots. It rots in your stomach like garbage that you don't take out of your house. And so you have this garbage. If you keep feeding yourself because you're like, I'm hungry. Oh, it's my next meal. I'm ready. You eat again. You're kind of getting more full, but you're like, it's time to eat again. You eat again and your garbage is getting fuller and fuller and fuller, but you're not moving it efficiently. Even if you're, even if you're um, going to the bathroom, like going, if, even if you're passing stool and going poop, you can still, if your peristalsis isn't strong enough, you're not sloughing off the bacteria and getting it into the large intestine. So irregular peristalsis, which is going, you want to look at the craniosacral system. Is the brain and spinal cord healthy? Are the meninges healthy? Is there good communication from the nervous system to the gut? And then you want to look at the gut. Does it have good rotation of the organs? Are there restrictions from any injury or surgery or car accidents? Um, you know, falling on your tailbone, being pregnant. Is there anything that might be restricting organs from them being injured? Also, um, gastroenteritis, like stomach flu. So any infection in the gut will also create restrictions. Any of that will then make the organs not have as good peristalsis. And now you're way more susceptible to getting SIBO because you're just a very slow machine. And SIBO's like, great, we can go wherever we want because you're not getting rid of us. I love that. And I think, you know, the SIBO thing is such a, a hot topic right now. And, you know, SIBO is, is not a diagnosis, like SIBO is a symptom. 
SIBO, just like food sensitivities, like yes. it's a symptom, um, you know, like vagus nerve impairment, you know, like antibiotics, gallbladder dysfunction, like anything that's going to slow peristalsis, anything that's going to, you know, impair the stomach, like low hydrochloric acid, like Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, something I've dealt with a lot, that's going to slow down everything can cause these, these are the inability, right. Of what you were just talking about, the, the lack of ability to perform peristalsis accurately or, or, or well enough to get the bacteria out of the small intestine and into the large intestine to get out of your body. And so I was just thinking that the imbalance of bacteria in SIBO is a larger upstream issue. And I, in, in this interview, I think we're realizing that one of the larger upstream issues can be these physical impingements and impairments. So incredible. Awesome. Well, okay. So we've kind of talked not about food sensitivities at all, but, but such a great um, interview. I am wondering if we want to just do a second one later about food sensitivities, or if you want to um, just wrap it into food sensitivities, it's totally up to you. I think we can kind of go either way. Um, let me, cause, cause we, we've got, we actually are on track with talking about food sensitivities. We, we really all, are. And everyone's like, what are you the, talking about? You're talking about physical nutrition, right. but let's, right. let's, let's connect it. So I mean, we just kind of opened the door for it. Food sensitivities are a symptom, guys. They, they're a result of a bigger GI problem. They're not the cause. So can you tell us more about that, what your opinions and science is around food sensitivities? And then let's give people some hope around food sensitivities too, because I think I'm sure you've experienced this too, and I have experienced this. Food sensitivities feel sometimes like a life sentence. So let's get into the food sensitivities. Awesome. So one of the things I, what I, the way, when I talk about food sensitivities, I want to start with the, the lies that are already in people's mind when we think about food, because when, when we start a gut health journey, at least when I did, and when most of my clients, when they've come to me, they say, what I need guidance on food and probiotics. Those are the two things that I hear the most. And I'm like, well, right. If you're having gut health problems, food is, um, I want you to imagine food is like a backpack. If you can't pick it up, it's not the backpack's problem. Like if you can't pick up a car, that's reasonable. If you can't pick up your backpack, you would say, oh my gosh, I need to go to a PT. My arm's losing strength. I'm deteriorating. I'm having numbness or whatever. You're having a problem. So if your body can't digest food that it, it was meant to digest, we are suggesting that the, the base mechanics of the gut is breaking down. If you restore the base mechanics of the gut and you heal it, then you are going to be able to eat those foods again. They won't be a problem. So food sensitivities kind of work like this. You eat a piece of food, let's say a banana. I have a client who's really sensitive to bananas. Um, <laughs> you eat I a banana. It. I love the, the random food sensitivity. I, right now I actually, <laughs> have, I, like I, um, I have a food sensitivity to apple. And I'm like, oh yeah. my God, it's just so annoying. It's like, okay, so, I'm go back yes. to, you know. So she was, my, my client was eating lots of bananas. She was on a low FODMAP diet. And um, she, because she had all of her other problems, it turns out when, once she started working with me, we found out she had candida, but that's being aside. She had the sensitivity to bananas because she was eating it a bunch and she had leaky gut. So her intestinal lining is weakened and it's absorbing things it shouldn't. And so her bloodstream is getting large chunks of banana that should not be in there. And they're like, your, her immune system's like in her blood is like, what's this banana doing here? 
it must be an enemy. Why did it get in here? And so it starts attacking the banana. And then the immune system says, hey, buddy, um, hey, gut, next time you see a banana, it got in here into the bloodstream and we just don't want it there. So next time you see it, please attack it because <laughs> exactly. we don't want it in the bloodstream. And that can okay. happen with millions of foods. And then all of a sudden you have so many. Right. So now you think, right. So you start to, um, you go on your restricted food diet. You're not eating garlic or you're not eating this or that you're not eating maybe grains or whatever, but you start to say, well, now I just feel crappy all the time. Whenever I eat any foods, because your food, your, your body will literally pick up anything you're eating. And if you have leaky gut or your intestine or intestinal permeability, imagine it's permeable. That's the more scientific term for it. Then your body, it gets into your bloodstream. Your body freaks out like what's this you know piece of spinach doing here and suddenly the quote unquote healthy foods you're being recommended to eat on every blog post and by every doctor is suddenly you're like no 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 i actually feel really crappy when i eat it and you think you're losing your mind because you're like absolutely is is all food evil will i ever eat again what's going on and so you get, and then you become afraid of food it gets really really bad um that's where it got for me i was like i'm just afraid to eat it's super rough. So what here's, here's the hope though. If you find the root cause, like why is there leaky gut? Why is there, you know, especially why is there leaky gut? If you find that answer and it could be hormone stuff going on, there could be peristalsis stuff going on, pathogen stuff, uh, heavy metals, stress, like emotional, psychological stress, there could be physical stress. If you deal with the root causes and you give the gut space, just need time, you know, three to four months is a really good amount of average amount of time to give something time to heal then you're going to notice the next time you try to eat that food, eat it like a Google, what a full portion is according to nutritionists. So for an avocado, for example, a four full portion of an avocado is half an avocado. You take that half of an avocado and you put it into, you cut it in half again, and then you cut it in half again. So you have a quarter portion of an avocado. You eat that, see if you have any reaction. Do you feel lethargic? Do you get bloated? Do you get diarrhea or constipation? Any changes in your symptoms? Um, and if you don't have any changes, try a half portion. Cause here's the interesting thing about food sensitivities. It's quantity sensitive allergies. It's not, it, you, it's, you know, there's some quantity sensitivity going on. Some people, it's like if they smell a peanut, they'll get allergic reaction. But with an allergy, pretty much if you eat any amount of gluten or whatever, you're going to have an allergic response. How big is the response might vary, but with a sensitivity, it's even more quantity sensitive because they'll, you know, your body will be like, oh, it's just a little bit of avocado. We're fine. Or it won't get into your bloodstream. But if you eat a ton of it, if you just binge on it, cause you're like, I haven't had avocado in forever. I'm going to try eating it. You might still feel really crappy. So you want to introduce it slowly, notice what portion you're good at, and then give your body more time. Um, if when I was reintroducing foods, um, uh, apples was something I couldn't eat, garlic and onion, I couldn't eat broccoli. I couldn't eat beans. I couldn't eat. And beans were one of the last things I could eat when I was reintroducing all these things. Um, it was like, I got good with apples and I was like, beans, I'm ready for hummus. I'm ready for <laughs> black bean, you know, at, at, you know, the Mexican 
restaurant or whatever, but I couldn't eat those things for a really long time. And I just gave myself more time. I continued to do the healthy mindfulness exercises I'd learned. I continued to do craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation. I did all the things that were most helpful for me. And that was, and then eventually I would try to eat beans. And I'm like, oh, I have no reaction. So now I have chili in my fridge. I eat beans all the time. Happy story, right? <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. It's again, it's a symptom. So if you, if you fix the root cause, you should be able to reintroduce foods without a problem. Um, and I think that that's the main takeaway here. I went through the same thing and to a certain extent, and I'm pretty open about this. I'm still going through this journey because unfortunately I have a lot of heavy metals in my mouth and I therefore have some leaky gut and therefore still have food sensitivities. And that's like many, like, that's the other thing. This isn't a quick fix. Like, yes, maybe it's a three month protocol where you get, (laughs) you work with a practitioner, like one of us, and then you're able to reintroduce foods. No problem. And like, that would be awesome. I I want that for every single person that comes through my door. Um, and then there's other people, unfortunately, like me who have, you know, I mean, I've got a mouthful of metal and, you know, that is something I have to financially and also physically take really slowly. Like we're talking about a number of years for me to get this out of my mouth, out of my body. And that's okay because in the meantime, you can still do things like cranial sacral therapy. You can still do mindfulness exercises. You can still, you know, have the foods that work for you. You can still take supplements that heal the gut lining and support that permeability issue. And you can still work towards that and you can still live a very full life. Like there's plenty of foods I'm I'm able to eat. And there's just a few that I'm like, nope, this is not, this is not for me. And, and that's okay. You know, and, and respecting that boundary is also important, but the main thing is that there is hope just because you're sensitive to something once doesn't mean you're always going to be sensitive to it. Yes. Um, so huge. Yeah, absolutely. Any other like thoughts around the food sensitivity dogma and like how, how one goes around this massive topic? You know, I, the only other thing that I like to tell people, cause really when for me, what was really helpful in my own body with food sensitivities was just understanding functionally why like how to interpret my body. That's like the most important thing because like, I might not always want to run a test to like understand, do I have a new food sensitivity, right? Like, yes. can we, can we, is there any way we can increase um, our confidence and our own self-awareness and body awareness um, and then body trust? You know, can't like, you have a very strong trust, you know, you're not second guessing yourself, you know, are apples bad for me or is it, or is it all in my head where I find a lot of clients that I work with, they are, they, they feel so uncertain. Their body has been such a mystery to them. And they've been so devalidated by doctors that kind of learning to trust their body again is really hard. And so, um, I want to just encourage people that the, that, to not be on a maniacal um, hunt for your food sensitivities and get like a new test every year, but to really be saying, how can I increase my my understanding of my body? So I've gone through a couple of times where I can eat corn and then I can't eat corn. So, which is so sad because I love corn tortillas, uh, chips, corn, uh, tortilla chips. And 
I will I've gone through a couple phases where I'm like, am I crazy? I used to be able to eat tortilla chips. And I feel like when I'm eating them now, it actually hurts. You know, I'm seeing some of my symptoms flare up. And initially that freaked me out where I was like, oh no, maybe I'm backpedaling. And it really scared me. And I have now gone through that phase a couple of times and I'm less scared. I now know I, maybe it was the corn that made me not feel so great at this meal. Let me stay away from corn for a little while. Or if I eat it, eat just small portions and reintroduce some other foods, make sure I'm eating some other grains or maybe non-grains, whatever it is. Um, and then, and then try it again, you know, and make sure I'm, and taking cues like, oh, my body's telling me something. It's telling me something's breaking down. This is a small, uh, uh, small signal. It's a small sign that maybe I, do I need to sleep more? Do I need to pull back on some of my commitments? Have I overcommitted basically, which I do a lot, um, all these different things. So I can say, this is just a sign. This is just my body saying, Hey, I think, you know, we need to pull back. And, and the way I think of this is one of the images that's helped me the most is thinking about your gut, like thinking about getting sunburns. So if you go outside and you, you have a great day outside and you just enjoy the sun, but you enjoy it a little too long, you're going to get a sunburn, especially if you're, you know, pale like me. Um, so you got, you get a sunburn and then you come inside and suddenly the same things that used to not bother you, bother you like one, a shirt you wear, you're like, oh, it's so scratchy or ow, that hurts or a hot shower you take. Oh, that's so uncomfortable. But you wouldn't ever say the hot shower's bad or that shirt's bad. You know, you would just say, I have a sunburn and I need to put aloe on it. I need to keep, you know, scratchy wool related item clothings off of it. Maybe I should make my shower a little cooler, but when that, that sunburn heals, you can return to some of your old behaviors. And also when you get a sunburn, you have to limit your sun exposure. You have to stay in the shade or not go outside as much or put more sunscreen on. And food sensitivities are super similar. You just notice that, oh, I think I have, you know, some my body, my gut's telling me this is showing up. Let's moderate, wait for it to heal, reintroduce it again. That's a really great analogy. And definitely everything you just said, I'm in full agreement with. That's how I run my business at She Talks Health, because one thing that I can't stand for is when women, and I work, I work with women only, um, when women don't listen to the, their own innate, um, abilities to understand their body, like their own intuition, their own bodily intuition. And unfortunately it's been beaten, beaten out of us. And like you said, we've been devalidated and gaslit by our medical professionals. A lot of times, I mean, I, I don't have a client that hasn't had that experience in some way, shape or form. And myself included, we're, we're taught that our feelings, um, aren't valid. Um, and they are, and we are also like, you know, we have screens in our hands and we have all these distractions and we don't allow ourselves to actually feel what is going on in our body and to act accordingly. But if we were able to slow things down, and I'm sure you do this with your clients as well as I do, if you're able to slow things down and be more notice, notice more things, you can start to see these tiny little symptoms as a waving hand from your body. And when you can see it as a waving hand, instead of a 
you know, six-year-old screaming at you (laughs) or something like, (laughs) then you can actually do something about it quickly. And the same, and it goes for food sensitivities. I would also just add that food sensitivities are not just digestive. They take, they can take three days to show up in the body. So if you eat, you know, corn, for example, you're reintroducing, you eat corn or beans or whatever it is. And then, you know, 24, 48 hours later, you're, you're having a reaction either in your gut or it, with your mood um, is another one or a headache that could be related back to that. So note it, just note it down. And then you can take a break from it. Like, you know, like we said, and, and then try it again and see if the same thing happens again. If it does, then maybe it's just not the right food for you right now. Um, so yeah, I just, I love all of this and oh my gosh, what a great episode. Is there anything you want to leave the listeners with anything at all that, I mean, I want to make sure everyone knows how to contact you, but any other like tips or wisdom or anything? Get craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation. Here's how you can do it. If you um, pause pause the episode, come back to it, or we can honestly leave a link in the show notes. I can get that to you, Sophie. But you're going to go to, if you Google, the best way to do it is you Google the letters I-A-H-P. And then you, after that, you say, find a therapist. It's going to be the first link that shows up and you can find a therapist anywhere in the world. We're all over the world. We're in Germany and Russia and Australia and all over the U S in Canada and Mexico. Um, and you, you can then search if you're in the U S search your zip code. And I usually suggest the first three numbers of your zip code. Cause that's a really wide range and then search. I always search for go to advanced search and then search um, visceral manipulation specifically, cause that's a little bit more rare than craniosacral therapy. And if you're ha- really struggling with gut health problems, I really strongly re- recommend getting both. You don't want to just have a nice cr- relaxing craniosacral therapy thing. You want someone kind of looking at how the two systems are engaging. And that is, um, just going to be so, so helpful. If you want to travel and see me, I do client sessions. I actually even do something called multi-hand therapy where you have two or three practitioners working on you over a series of hours and you get really quick results, super amazing transformations that, that you can get out of that. Um, but you can find that for anyone, anywhere, and that's how you go and do it. Thanks so much. I love that. I, um, I just searched myself and I saw, it's funny cause I searched and I saw a friend of mine in there in the directory that I, um, have worked with before. She's a melt practitioner. Um, very, very cool. We, I love this tip because I think it allows people to listen to this episode and be knowing what they want to talk to this therapist about too. That's a really big thing is going in with the information that you need in order to get the practitioner that is going to actually help you. So thank you for, you know, obviously we want people to go and find you, but if they can't reach you physically in Ann Arbor, they can go to this website, which is IAHP.com. Find a, find a practitioner is what you would look for, right? Find a practitioner or find a therapist, both works like in your Google search bar. Awesome. And uh, I will say, I have a couple people who've had confusion with this. So quick hint, most practitioners of craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation don't market as being gut health focused, but they do help with it. Absolutely. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I love that you do. I mean, this is such a, a niche market. So I know you have a podcast and I believe you are an author of a book. So how can people find you? What's your website? What's your podcast? Tell us all of the places people can find you. 
Yeah. So you can search for our podcast. It's Better Belly Podcast. We talk about all these things today and more really focusing on gut health. Um, we also, my website is betterbellytherapies.com. You can search for us there and just see the different services that we offer um, or find information there. You can find us on Instagram at betterbellytherapies and also on Facebook at betterbellytherapies follow us, say hi. I love hearing from people and hearing thoughts that they had on the episode or if they have any questions. Um, did I hit all the points? I think oh, and the book, the book's oh, yeah, on the, book. the web, the book, the book's on the website. You can get a digital copy or a print copy. So, and the digital copy, you know, get emailed right to your inbox. That's amazing. I'm so excited guys. Please go check her out. This has been such an amazing episode. I'm going to make every client listen to this. Um, everyone, this was Allison Jordan. She is found on betterbellytherapies.com and on Instagram, betterbellytherapies. She has a book, go buy it. She has a podcast, go listen to it. Thank you so much, Allison, for coming on the She Talks Health podcast today. Thanks so much for having me, Sophie. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.